Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to No Script, No Problem here on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? No Script, No Problem is the show that takes you behind the curtain of unscripted television like never before with insight from some of the best in the business of reality television, documentary series, competition shows, social experiment, game shows, and much more from the Kardashians to Shark Tank to Queer Eye to Naked and Afraid to Extreme Makeover Home Edition. If it's unscripted, we'll get into it. I'm your host, Steve Berkowitz. I'm a 15-year veteran producer of Unscripted TV with shows like Extreme Makeover, Home Edition, BattleBots, OutDaughter, The Rachel Zoe Project, and Pros vs. Joes among my credits. Each week, I'll talk to my colleagues and talent who have made reality TV and game shows not just something you watch on TV, but a cultural phenomenon. Now, if you enjoy this show, please subscribe and rate the show. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find it on Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. And you can follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and Instagram at Steve M. Berkowitz. If you're interested in advertising on this show, and you should be, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Okay, let's get started. Today, my guest is a good friend and a veteran executive producer, showrunner, writer, and director. He's currently running both the reboot of Extreme Makeover Home Edition for HGTV and the great Christmas light fight for ABC. Please welcome Brady Cannell. Brady, thank you for doing this. Thank you. I feel like I should be introducing you (laughs) because of your credits. (laughs) You run the gamut of unscripted TV, like the fact that you did, I love telling your story from Amazing Race like the early days and Survivor, like that really like kind of crafting the early days of that show. And now you're part of, you were part of the original Extreme Makeover Home Edition and now the showrunner bringing it back. It's true. And the sad thing is I, I had already put in well over a decade before Survivor won. I'd, I mean, it, I had already done maybe 12, 15 years of bad, you know, bad reality television. <laughs> well, that's a good, survivor. well, that's a good place to start because as somebody who I called you a veteran and that's honestly, that's a, you know, that is me giving you a compliment. How did unscripted television and your just opinion, your experience come about? Yeah. Well, it's funny because I teach a class at UCLA. I've been teaching it for years on the, on the, you know, reality television, sure. and producing and directing reality. And you, you know, we talk about everything that was going on in the fifties with Canon camera and the loud family and all of that. Yeah. And it's all very important. But you asked from my experience, yes, from just my your, experience yeah. coming out of school, uh, Rescue 911 doesn't get enough credit, in my opinion. Really? For being the first big network reality right. show. Along with, at that time, you know, in the, sure. in the late 80s, along with uh, Unsolved Mysteries, which was on, on NBC. Yeah. So those two, everyone forgets that those two shows yeah. were hit shows. I remember thinking, God, it's so strange that these shows are doing well. And that no one else is putting that kind of energy yeah. and resources into nonfiction television for network for network. Like why why isn't yeah. everybody doing that? Because it's less expensive. Less it's expensive. getting just as good as ratings, but yeah. everybody wanted to be in drama, you know, and <laughs> scripted and it's fine. I, sure. mean, I totally get it. But from just a pure business point of view, right. why are we paying three times as much money for a scripted show when Rescue Number One gets the same ratings and runs for seven years, prime time, eight o'clock on CBS. I I, I still don't, didn't get it really until Survivor. 
Yeah. So years later, over a right. decade later, finally somebody else said at CBS said, hey, let's put some money into this cool idea and let's really go for it. Let's give it a scripted budget, not more than a scripted budget, like, you know, maybe right. even less than a regular exactly. scripted budget, but it's a lot of money in the reality world. Let's do it and see what happens. And then boom, you know, then the whole landscape of television changed as a result of that. But it could have happened 10 years earlier if there had been more executives who were, uh, who were taking chances then. How did you become a part of Rescue 911? Uh, long story, but I was working on a kids game show called Funhouse with J.D. Roth and oh, wow. Todd Nelson and yeah. other guys who started Three Ball. Right. So I was uh, one of the, the writer, segment producer guys coming up with stunts. Down the hall, we were doing this kids game show and I was literally in the bathroom and ran into the nephew of Nancy Jacoby, who was the, who was <laughs> the line producer or the main producer, sorry, of, of this new show called Rescue 911. They were doing three one-hour pilots. Wow. And they said, hey, do you want to go in the bathroom? <laughs> hey, we're looking for a guy. So, it's always um, nice to get a job yeah, offer right. in the bathroom. <laughs> it's just good you got a TV job offer, exactly, like a legitimate yes. offer in the bathroom. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But, you know, I'll take any offer at that point when you're <laughs> you know, a starving student. But uh, so anyway, so I said yes, and I did the pilot. So I was the very first what called a uh, field coordinator for Rescue okay. 101 on the pilot. And, uh, and then we did, uh, did that for a year and a half and did, uh, you know, dozens and dozens of segments all over the country. So that was the beginning of... of sort of the window that opened up yeah. for me in terms of what is this career of going on the road and telling stories about real yeah. people and trying to craft the story without a script, you know, and interviewing people and just yeah. all that stuff. I was like, wow, I didn't know this, this, this was a career. And then, and so there were things happening. Cops was happening, you know, America's uh, Most Wanted was happening. So the late eighties yeah. was a, was the real beginning. And, it, and when I was working on rescue, I think it was the end of my first year on rescue number one. It was the first time I ever heard the word reality <gasps> television. So that was, yeah. I forget what year it was. It must have been 88, 1988. Okay. So that's, you know, if, if we're talking about the beginning of reality yeah. television. That was it. <laughs> that was it. And I happened okay. to be out in the field at that time. And um, and kicking and screaming, honestly. I, I don't know if you noticed, but I, I was writing scripts and trying to, I, okay. I want to be a director. I want to be a film no, director. Of course. So this whole thing of working in television and nonfiction was just, just a job. It was a way to make $150 a day <laughs> while I was going home and writing, you know, writing scripts whenever sure. I could. But it never, it never intended to be a career really until Survivor. Yeah. All right. So we'll flash forward to Survivor. <laughs> you were on season one, yep. correct? Yep. On the island. Yep. How how did you get onto that island season one, become a part of the show that became the sensation that is Survivor? Yeah. And not to, you know, I mean, it's Mark is, it's Mark's baby. Sure. Uh, obviously everybody course. knows that. Mark Burnett. I mean, the whole thing. I mean, he, he, you know, found the format and brought it over sure. and sold it and did everything that had, had to happen to make, make, make it go. But I was in the right place at the right time. Um, I happened to have done all these challenges, you know, on all these game shows, right. like the Funhouse show. And I, I was sort of the challenge guy. The challenge guy. But I'd also done Wild Things with Bertram Van Munster, which was a great wildlife documentary series with Tom Beers as well. Oh, um, two of the greats, yeah. 97, 98, right in there. And so I had this weird combination of challenges and being out in the field and working in the bush. So um, when I met with Mark and with Craig Pligian, who was the co-EP of Survivor, crazy, um, I just, I was the next guy hired. So uh, so they put me in charge of pretty much all the, sort of the creative adaptation, really, yeah. of the European format. Trying to figure out how, how we're going to Americanize it. Right. How are we going to um, to tell the stories of these people? And I was involved in casting. And and uh, Scott Messick came on to be yep. the sort of supervising producer slash director of the show. And I really give Scott a ton of credit for uh, creating the look and feel of Survivor. Uh, Survivor one, and um, uh, and then we just you know started shooting the show. I was on the island, I think I was on the island for eighty days straight. <laughs> a long time. Did you know that Survivor was going to be a ma the massive hit that it was? You know, season one. Yeah, it's always the question. And yeah. I, 
since I had been doing it already for however many years, for 15 yeah. years, uh, it was nothing like I had ever seen. I was so excited to be on it. And I did tell people on the island who, who were less experienced, I just said, you guys, this, <laughs> this is going to knock it out of the park. I really believe that this is going to be a huge hit. Even Mark, uh, I remember Mark coming up to me and asking me, he said, Brady, what do you think? You know, you think we got, got something here? Because Mark was, you know, he had done a yeah. challenge, of course, but right. he hadn't done a years and years of reality television. And I said, Mark, I said, this, this thing is going to go for like five or six seasons at least. That was what I said. <laughs> at least I'm telling just you, five is, or six, and that seasons. was the best I could yeah. ever imagine. Right, was Survivor going for like five seasons? You know, here we sure. are, season forty. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, all these years later, so who, nobody could have imagined that. But I did yeah. think it was going to make a mark for sure. All right, so we'll transition then into kind of Extreme Makeover Home Edition, mm-hmm. which uh, the first season was two thousand three. Mm-hmm. Right, so now we're into okay. Everybody, the big networks realize okay, this reality thing can actually make us big money. It fills a lot of programming slots, and everybody's kind of getting into it. Two thousand three, Extreme Makeover Home Edition comes along for ABC. What season do you come into play here on EMHE? So I was doing, I was still doing Amazing Race uh, in two thousand three through two thousand five or whatever, and I had a couple of my own shows that we were trying to get going. But uh, but Bertram was wonderful to hire me on Amazing Race. Yeah. I did that through season six, I think. But I did get a couple of calls along the way for. Extreme Makeover. Uh, Rob Smith at Endemol was uh, was, a, was a nice enough to give me a call, but I had kids at that point. I had a couple of kids, and so I was trying not to hit the road as much. Even though I was doing race, yeah. I was doing I was directing the opening and closings of the Amazing Race, and sure. not necessarily tra- doing the whole world travel thing. But uh, Rob called again, and this was at the end of season four, beginning of season five of Amazing Race. And I, of course, I've been watching of a uh, Extreme Makeover. Right? I've been watching Extreme Makeover. Everybody loved the show, and right. I, I thought, oh my right. god, that's. That's the show. And so when he called me the first time and I had to pass because of my kids, I thought, oh, that was dumb, you know. <laughs> but fortunately, he called again. And uh, and my kids were four and two. And my wife said, you should just do it. <laughs> so that was when I said yes. It was the beginning of season five. Season five, okay. Of Extreme Makeover Home Edition. For the rare person who doesn't know the format or uh, know the concept behind Extreme Makeover Home Edition, um, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, you take a family who is a deserving family who's experienced some hardship, and uh, you take a team, an amazing team of designers who rallies the neighborhood, rallies their community, and they surprise them with a house and um, and an experience, as well as usually some help, some other outside help. And uh, in one week, you build them, you tear the house down, build them a new house, and really give them a, a new shot at life. And um, I know for you, it was a life-changing experience. For me, it was a life-changing experience. And I think everybody who was involved over the nine seasons uh, that it was on the air originally, um, I think everybody was changed dramatically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, the families that were all involved were changed you know, in a huge way. Yeah. Um, so for you, you come along in season five. Um, how did you, uh, how were you, what was the first moment that you realized, okay, this is a good place for me. This is the show that I want to be involved with, not just for a season or a season or two, but for a long time. Yeah, I, you have to, you know, always take your personal life into, into account. Sure, you of know, course. The show, a show like that, which is in production for nine months out of the year, they were doing 22 episodes a year at that point. I mean, right. that's a, you know, to be on the road for nine months is a long time. And I had already been on the road with Amazing Race and a lot of shows. So, uh, it had to be a really special situation for me to commit to that. And uh, there was nothing else on television that was remotely close 
in terms of how it made me feel personally as a producer and the challenges that it, that it required and and the people that I was going to be working with. So it was pretty much the first the first day. <laughs> really? Yeah. I mean, the first day we went to, uh, that I was you know running like a, a, an episode. We were up in Corvallis, Oregon, and it was over 100 degrees. And you know, I just looked around. I looked at the crew, and I and I had this family, a little girl who had cancer. You know, we were getting them a new home. It was going to be really clean for her and fresh air. And I, and I thought, wow, there's no way I could not be doing this if if this is what it feels like. For nine months, I mean, this is gonna this is gonna change me, and that's what happened. I, and people were shaving their guys on the crew were shaving their heads, you know, for for the hair for the for cancer. And I thought <laughs> that does not happen on other no. shows. Yeah, uh, something really special was happening, and I found myself crying, you know, pretty much every day, and hugging the crew. And at the end of that first episode, which was episode five hundred three. Um, I was like, I'm in. I'm in. As long as they'll have me, I'm in. Right. And uh, and all the crew had my back because <clears throat> I was the new guy in charge of the Alpha team. Right. It's an 80 person crew, and you know, I'm. They didn't know who I was, and they totally took care of me. And uh, next thing I knew, within you know, within a couple of episodes, I was totally in my groove. And uh, and here I am now. I don't know, maybe 150 episodes right. later. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was great. So for people who don't know, uh, the original version that ran for nine seasons. It was so big, you know, like you said, 22 episodes a year, uh, up to 24 or 25. We, we had to break it into two different teams that were shooting simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe you could explain a little bit more about how the show was even pulled off. A lot of people don't believe that we could build a house uh, in a full week, which I explained it really wasn't even a week. Like we actually did it in less than a week. Right. And now we're doing it less than that. <laughs> which is <laughs> amazing. Yeah. 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 Crazy. But uh, yeah, it's a weird, uh, you know, all these reality shows are sort of combinations of industries. You know, sure. I know you're talking to Chaz about the food industry and here is the construction industry and the the, the, the television industry coming together to try and figure right. out how to, how to make something amazing happen physically. And then how do you document the whole thing and tell yeah. a story that people want to watch? So, uh, so yeah, that was the, <laughs> that was the challenge, you know, Make sure that you always deliver the house, you know, in in whatever it is, 106 hours. That is the first uh, the first requirement of the executive producer, right? Is to make sure that that doesn't go off the rails because if it does, it's going to cost you 100 thousand dollars a day, you know, from that point on for anything that goes wrong, and uh, that's a lot of pressure because <laughs> you've got all these people on location and the whole thing. So oh, I lost a lot of sleep. Yeah, yeah, and I can remember the night the night before bus move over and over and over again. The night before, you know, everyone's up at two in the morning, you know, literally painting, yeah, and doing whatever is required to bring that family home the next day because there's. Uh, that has to happen first. Then there's all the storytelling that's going on. You know, you right. know, producers and all the camera operators and everybody trying to make sure that we're telling the story of these designers who are hurrying to get this thing done for this family. You didn't get a second chance to surprise the family at the top of the show. You didn't get a, uh, a second chance to really move the bus and get that. You didn't get a second chance to tear the house down. Right. So those were those moments where I came from live sports, right, mm-hmm. which was my original background. And so those were thrilling, but also nerve-wracking and terrifying. Yeah, and it's a there's a lot of trust obviously going on, you know, with all the operators and with the design team and with Ty and now with Jesse Tyler Ferguson. There's just a, at a certain point, you know, you put all these elements in place, but yes, yeah. when there's a giant live activity happening and you finally say, okay, you know, move the bus, yeah, <laughs> go for it. I'm talking to Ty in his ear and say, okay, Ty, we're ready to go. There's only so much you can do at that point. Right. I'm sitting there, I'm basically watching television and right. hoping that everybody does their job, really. And, if, and, and you know, sometimes it's better than others and you're crying your eyes out and you're like, oh my gosh, people are falling to the ground and this is the most amazing moment I have ever seen, you know, in, in, with, with, quote, live television. 
Uh, and then there's other times like, yeah, that was okay, you know, but we can't do right. it again. So we'll do our best in post to make it, <laughs> make it better. And that's just um, one, one after another, you know, you're just hoping that, uh, that you're making magic and the people at home are, are, are feeling it. Do you have a, a moment, whether it was a bus move or a, a demolition of a house or a surprise that you remember as always being, whether it was your favorite or most memorable moment? Wow, that's, yeah, it's a, on this show, it's a tough one. <laughs> of it, course. I mean, every episode is so, so strong. But, and, and I don't want to, uh, it's, and it's not about celebrities for me at all. Like, I, sure, I, of I'm course. I'm a big celebrity guy. But when Stevie Wonder walked in the room and started playing a song for, and, and he changed the words to match the the husband who was ill, you know. Yeah. And that was, I was like, I can't believe that that just happened. And he showed up kind of by surprise. He showed up. We thought he, we thought he wasn't going to come. Wow. Uh, and then uh, on the day of the bus move, I get a phone call from his secretary. He says, uh, he's on his way. <laughs> I'm like, That's what? a big one. And yeah. I, I, she says, no, he's on his way. He's going to be there in 45 minutes. And this is in Tallahassee, Florida. And I was like, oh my gosh. And he came in and, and just knocked it out of the park. And uh, so I have, I have pretty fond memories of, 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 of Stevie Wonder and what he did. He actually stuck around afterwards and went to the kid's school and, and required that no cameras follow him, went to the kid's school and did a special little thing with, with the first grade class. And he's, he's something special. That's pretty incredible. And that was something, that is something that is unique about Extreme Makeover Home Edition. What do you think is the special sauce that is part of the show, part of the DNA of the show that gets somebody like a Stevie Wonder or a Michelle Obama who was on season nine? Why do they, why did they, why do they want to be a part of the show? Yeah, and so really for your listeners, you know, if you, if you have, I assume you have producers and writers out there, you have to really look at something and figure out why it's working. You know, sometimes you don't, you don't know. Yeah. Like when I first joined Extreme, I was like, I, 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 I would cry, I'd have these emotions, and I, and I would try to evaluate it from a writer's point of view. Right. Why is this working right now? And sometimes I couldn't tell because there's no conflict. Right. There's no conflict in the show. Like yeah. it's, it's, you know, writing 101, you have to have conflict sure. there for it to be interesting. There's nothing. And then I, uh, I finally asked this guy, Patrick Higgins. I don't know if you know Patrick. I know Patrick, the director. Yeah. I said, Patrick, what is it about this show, man? I he had been on it from the very beginning. And he turned around to me and he goes, Brady, it's it's the community, man. And and I knew I knew that instinctively, but I I hadn't really like re almost written it down and be like, what works here? It is the community. So the I, everybody in America in particular has a connection with their community and wants to know that that their community is going to come together and help a neighbor in need when the, when the chips are down, and uh, and that's what was going on. So when you watch the show, you go, oh. Yeah. This is a builder who stepped up, you know, to right. build his house for free to one of his for one of his neighbors. All those volunteers, a thousand volunteers, are showing up in the middle of the night when the cameras aren't there to help a family that needs it. And it's about community. So that's my, that, for me. That's the that's the secret sauce. Coming aboard in season seven, so we were well into the the series, and everyone told me, "Oh, just wait, you'll drink the Kool Aid." Yeah. <laughs> and it's not until you get there. It's not until you see how big of a change it is in the fam for the family mm -hmm. that you realize that this is something special. Helping somebody mm -hmm. is not something we see every day. It's not something we do every day. And to see people reach out and give each other, you know, give a, give a hand to somebody. Yeah. It, it's, uh, there is something special. It's funny. I go back and forth. Like, you know, I'll be, oh, it's just television, whatever. You right. know, I try to stay realistic. But it is. It is just television. We're just making, you know, making a product. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Selling commercials, whatever. There's all that side of it. But then I, uh, I, no matter how much that pops into my head. Yeah. I am uh, exceedingly proud 
to be part of a business, even even this genre of the business yeah. that gets so much flack and is obviously not well known for its philanthropy. <laughs> uh, absolutely. <laughs> but yeah. I look back and I think, wow, Rescue 911 to Extreme Makeover Home Edition, you know, and somehow for me and me personally, I've been able to work on shows that I feel good about, you know, even Survivor. And it tells you a lot about human nature yeah. and the amazing race. It makes the world a smaller place. And now here I'm back on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Hey, 30 years, I've been working on really cool stuff and I feel very fortunate. And on top of that, I feel like, you know what, I, I got into the business to be a storyteller, whether it's a director right. or a writer or a producer, whatever it is. I want to tell stories that inspire people. And, and you know, we're, we work on Extreme Makeover Home Edition. There were 6 million viewers every, every right. week. And people were gathering all over the country with their families, with grandmas, with kids to watch together in their living room to be inspired, you know, by some community that had come together to help a family. And I'm like, it kind of doesn't get better than that right. from a storytelling point of view and yes. why I got into the business to inspire people. And wow, okay, I'm, I, I, the, whenever that other part of me sneaks in to my brain, but it's just television, yeah, but it is television. It's powerful, you know, and we should, we have a responsibility as the producers of this material, of this content, to make sure that it is as good as it can be, whether it's, you know, whether you're doing a news story or you're doing Extreme Makeover Home Edition, whatever it is, anything in between. Of course. You have to make it as good as it can be. And even when I have done shows uh, that I haven't been particularly proud of, you know, plenty of cop shows along the way, whatever. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, well, you know what, at least in my hands, I'm, I'm doing my best to tell this story as honestly and with as much integrity as I, as I can because millions of people are going to watch it. And now with streaming, I mean, you know, things can last forever. Yeah. So I just try to, I try to um, uh, take that responsibility seriously. I think we all, we all should. Those are excellent points. I think on extreme, and I'm sure you have experienced this, you, because the family has such a powerful story because they've been through so much, I almost felt like I had to push myself to do a better job. I felt like I owed it mm -hmm. to the families. Absolutely. It's, and it happens to, across the board, every position. And, it, when it, and when yeah. the weather's bad. Like we were up in Palmdale just yeah. a, a couple months ago yeah. shooting an episode. And the wind was blowing. It was over 100 degrees. And there were dust devils. And tents were being picked up and thrown. It was dangerous. And everyone's helping out each other. And I'm like, wow, everybody is... No one's complaining. Yeah. Like, why isn't anybody complaining here? Like, on a normal set, people would be walking away. But everybody, <laughs> down to the lowest production assistant, was just committed to doing their job to the very end. And uh, and that, that's heartwarming. Sure. To see a show can do that to the crew. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful to be on Extreme Maker. And I'm grateful to HGTV and to Endemol for bringing it back. I mean, that's a, that's a big decision to reboot, you know, a beloved format, you know. And, uh, and, I, and I'm very, very excited about the way they have done it. Okay. Perfect transition. Oh, sorry. Right. It's a perfect it's transition. <laughs> no. Very well done. When you first were approached to be the showrunner again on Extreme Makeover Home Edition, this time on HGTV, was there any nervousness about, okay, I've already done that, or, okay, wow, can we even pull this off on HGTV versus ABC? Were you nervous at all about taking on such a big task um, again? Yeah, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't call it nervous only because I had done so, so much of the show, you know, and had done five seasons of the show and loved every minute of it. But uh, I, I would say um, it was really more concern that the people who were making the decisions to bring it back didn't know everything they needed to know uh, to make sure that it was going to be successful. I don't know if that makes sense. So Yeah, sure. Uh, so, yeah, this even before it was officially greenlit, they brought me in just to sort of discuss that. You know, what does yeah. the budget need to be in order to pull this thing off? And and what can, what you know, how little can we do it for? <laughs> so it's obviously not going to be the same budget of as course. ABC. And then it's like, wow, is it, it going to be half the budget of ABC? Does that mean it's going to be half the show? 
what can we do? How can we get it to be the old show yeah. on half the budget? Is it possible? And I, you know, not to whatever. I, I don't think there were a ton of people in the, in, in town that that had the experience that I had that could evaluate. That. Of course. And so I was really grateful to be to be called for that. Uh, and so yeah, I guess I was I was nervous really about the um, the products, also the integrations and stuff, and the trade outs. Like that's super important. So HGTV sort of had this reputation of not having a lot of trade outs right. on shows. So um, so I met with Kathleen Finch and the, the team from HGTV and just wanted to verify that, hey, they were on board with the idea that the, the only way this show can happen is by having the same types yeah. of product placement uh, in the show. And, and, I, and Kathleen, she said, she said to me, she's like, you know, I think our audience will forgive that for this show because these companies are all coming to the, to the table to help this family. And uh, once I sort of got a sense that that was going to be okay – and I thought, well, okay, we we have the X number of budget. We'll be able to, we'll still be able to build a house. <laughs> yeah. And then, as long as we have the go ahead to bring in, you know, bring in partners, then I think we'll be okay. And so, you know, and then I called a lot of great people from the old show and right. kind of brought the Avengers back together again. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was all about casting, you know, because HGTV didn't want, didn't necessarily want the exact same families. Right. You know, that we used to do a lot of stories that were they got the borderline sa- sad, you know, with with. with Six children or whatever. And right. so that's um, not something we were necessarily striving for. We were looking for families who were, you know, who had hit a hardship, but who had, who had majorly given back to their community in some way. So a lot Deserving. of first responders, veterans, yeah. you know, so that that's what we got with casting. And uh, next thing I knew, we had 10, 10 families picked around the country and we started booking builders and, and then we went out and there shot. There you go. And the, the, but the, what we did differently, you asked, oh, the question you asked a long time ago was how the show was shot. We used to have two teams. Right. So there, it was just impossible to do 22 episodes in a row because yeah. it took nine or 10 days per episode. And then we went back to LA in between each, between each episode. But there was no way we could afford that. So we completely reconstructed the, the schedule of the show. So there was only one team, the, one production team that shoots the show. And we shot. 10 homes in 10 weeks, which for anybody who worked on the show, yeah, that's, I, I think it's that's different. It has to be some kind of a, of a home makeover, you know, record. <laughs> so 10 homes in 10 weeks. And that means moving the bus 10 times, you know, going to 10 different locations. It was, it was extraordinary. So, so we had to have some of the old, yeah. old guard back. And oh, we had to. to. Pull, pull yeah. Off. Um, but it all went well. Is there something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? I know I get stressed out a lot. Sometimes I can't sleep. Well, that's why people just like you and I are turning to BetterHelp. That's Better H-E-L-P. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist that you can start communicating with right away. Always available and much less expensive than traditional therapy. It's incredible to have someone to talk to. Trust me. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Believe. That's BetterHelp and join the over 700,000 people taking charge of their mental health. Special offer for No Script, No Problem listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Believe. Was there any rustiness that very first time you surprised a family were you like, oh my God, I don't even remember how to do this? That's funny. Uh, no, on the on the like logistical level, like it yeah. all came back to me. Although thanks to uh, Mickey McLaughlin and Jim Ring and those guys, they came back and helped us like talk through everything, sure. you know, before we started shooting. And it, and it all sort of, oh yeah, right, we got to, oh right, we got to remember to do that, <laughs> you know? right? But what I was uh, surprised at was that on the fir- very first episode, I wasn't feeling it yet. 
Really? Yeah. And I didn't really tell anybody. You're probably the first person I told this to. I wasn't feeling it as much as I did before. Like you're talking emotionally? Yeah. Just like, like, okay, are we going to get, can you bring the back and back together? And you're, you know, have the same emotional feeling about it, you know? And, it, and I wasn't quite there yet, but it, but when we moved the bus and we all bring it, you know, we bring it in at the end. So the whole crew comes together and we say, let's bring them home. Uh, when we did that the first time, I was like, oh, there it is. The magic. <laughs> there it is. The I, magic's I back. just felt it and we're going to be okay. Literally, nice. I like said that to myself. I think for the next nine nine homes, we're going to be fine because I just felt it. So that was weird. Like I went <laughs> like five days without completely feeling right, uh, but nobody knew that. <laughs> but it's all good. It all came back for everybody. I mean, we by the end right. of, by the end of the tenth episode, everybody was on board. It felt like the old show. Okay, yeah. what's the biggest difference between? The original version of Extreme Makeover Home Edition and the new version of Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Yeah, other than that slight casting change, uh, more design heavy just because it is HGTV. Okay. People really want to know like how do you make these decisions about what we're putting in the house and why and how does it help the family. Right. And then the other thing is the size of the homes. We are not interested in building mansions anymore. And we weren't really doing that that yeah. much in those later years. But that's not what it's about. It's about just what does this family need? And what's appropriate for them. And let's build the house Makes sense. that's just right for that family. If it happens to be a 3,000 square foot house for a seven-member uh, seven family, then yeah, we'll do, we'll do that. But if it's a 1,250 square foot house for, you know, for one right. parents and one kid and that's all they need and we just want to fix up their backyard and totally refix their house, then that's, that's what we'll do. And HGTV gave us the freedom to do that. And I, I actually like it. It's more appropriate uh, storytelling because it doesn't, it, nobody's going, why are they doing that giant castle right. for this house? Of course. Four, ki- you know, four yeah. people. This just doesn't make, didn't make sense. And of course, on the financial side, we want to make sure that the families are all in a situation at the end of the week that they're in a better situation financially than they were at the beginning. And that, that happened with all 10 episodes for sure. We, we evaluate their finances, make sure that, you know, whatever property taxes that they're going to have to pay, that, or an increase in property taxes, that they can do that based on their income. So we take a really close, close look at that now. And, uh, and without building these giant mansions, it's, uh, it's, it's, much, much easier. And, and, we, and, and we do net, net zero homes. We had a couple of net zero homes, which means they have no, no expenses at all. That's great. Utilities, except for water. And so they're literally water and property taxes. So, How tough was it to make 10 houses in 10 weeks? You know, you ended the show in 2012. How tough was it now this time around versus back then? Yeah, it's a really good question. And for, and for you know, people who aren't in, the, in this area of, yeah, of sure. reality television, it may be too specific, but it was really, really, really hard. <laughs> so we did five ground up builds. Uh, so two of them were um, were knockdowns. Yeah, and then the other three were was land. We actually got land from, oh, okay. from the community, and then we were able to build a house from the ground up. So, but they were all there were five ground up builds, and then there were five renovations. So okay. I was told even Very when, different. I joined, when I joined Extreme Makeover the first time in 2007, they said, we don't do renovations. Well, you know? of course and they not. hadn't done it for years because of all the things that can go wrong. And, you know, you take walls down and you find mold and you find termites yeah, and all knock that it stuff. down. So I was like, okay, well, so we, every house I had ever done was a, was a knockdown build from the ground up house. It was always my favorite part of the show. The, knock, the, the demo. Oh yeah, demo's great. So here we are now, you know, with HDTV and they're like, no, we don't, we don't need you to demo every house. We actually like the idea of renovations. And so, yeah, we, I broke the rule that I, that of, of no, not doing renovations. <gasps> we did five renovations on Extreme Makeover. That's cool. Thanks to David Bowler, who's our, our, our director of construction. He's a genius. He, uh, without him, I wouldn't have ventured into it. But he said, no, we can do renovations. I'm like, really? <laughs> he said, yeah, I just got to check it out. So we sent David to each of the houses, and he checked it out, and, and we had no problems. We basically took all those five yeah. down to the studs. I mean, literally all the way down to the studs. All new electrical, all new plumbing. Everything was new. So, so it's pretty much a brand new house. That's great. Yeah. 
Okay. So you have all new talent this time around. Yeah. Uh, we both loved working with Ty Pennington, Paul DeMeo, Paige Hemis, Ed Sanders, Tracy Hudson, Michael Maloney, who worked with Leanne Tui, Exhibit. Right. right? Rib. Oh, oh, <laughs> Rib. <laughs> I mean, such great designers yeah. back on the original. And this time around, you know, you have Jesse Tyler Ferguson, who's hosting for Modern Family fame, right? You have Carrie Lachlan, you have Bregan Jane and Darren Keefe. Yeah. So what was it like working with a brand new set of designers? It was fantastic. I hate to say, as much as I love the old the old team, and there was a lot of discussion about, wow, do we bring Ty back to host the show? Sure. Should we bring back the whole team? Should we, like, rotate out? We, it was all those kinds of discussions. But basically, at the end of the day, everybody wanted, you know, fresh look of the new show. And um, and my my I was just super pleasantly surprised across the board. Didn't know what to expect. Yeah. Jesse is fantastic. He's got a huge heart. And that was the key to the whole thing. As soon as I met Jesse, I was like, oh, this is going to work fine. Because he cared about the other designers. He yeah. cared about them. He cared about the crew. cared about the families deeply. And, man, he was drinking the Kool-Aid <laughs> on his own choice, though. It wasn't yeah. like we were doing it to him. He he just is that kind of a guy. He loves loves what we're doing out there, loves the storytelling, uh, hugging the families, you know, high-fiving the crowd. He was just fantastic. And he's not, you know, he's not a carpenter guy. Right. It doesn't matter. It does not matter. It's actually great that he's giving sort of a new, fresh take on a lot of things, you know, the building of the house. The first time we were building the house and he came in on day two, he was like, oh my God, right. I can't yeah. believe you guys did this in one day. Right. And it was genuine. It was real. And there was nothing, uh, he just, he didn't, nothing was taken for granted with Jesse. Nice. Yeah. Um, do you feel like they're, they have, uh, they bring a fresh POV mm-hmm. to the show because they hadn't done nine seasons or multiple seasons that this was all new and they could bring new design. They could bring to your point about Jesse, he's bringing kind of this, Oh my God, I can't believe you guys can build a house in a week. And these stories are so different. Yeah. At the same time, they felt the responsibility that responsibility. We have a story. They were like, Oh my gosh, we're on extreme makeover home edition. Yeah. I can't believe we're the, I'm the designer. I'm responsible for making sure that this family gets everything they need. And they took that responsibility hundred percent and delivered. And I'm just really thrilled with all four of them. Couldn't, couldn't be better. One of the things you hit on earlier, and I, I completely agree with is in, in terms of the community is the key to the show. Mm-hmm. It's neighbors helping neighbors. And I found that Immediately, once I we were in you know Illinois, we were in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very divisive time in our country. Did you find this was a fresh kind of? Did you find that this is kind of a, a good time to do the show? That this was the right time, and that people kind of loved the fact that you know, hey, let's let's come together and let's help each other out. Yeah, it's not a coincidence that that I think HGTV and Endemol both felt that hey, this could be the could be the time, you know. And the show should never have gone away, honestly. <laughs> it really shouldn't have gone away because it was doing well and had a good viewership. It was just you know an executive wanted to put a scripted show in instead of reality. Sure, and that's fine. But I, I wish it had stayed around. But given the fact that it went away for seven years and that it's a big decision, you know, to 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 reboot, I I think it was about timing. I think that everybody was like, hey, we could use a pretty good you know, move that bus right about now. (laughs) You know, it's very true. Yeah. I mean, it is a show that it doesn't matter whether you are in a red state or a blue state. It does come down to my neighbor's hurting Mm -hmm. and I want to help him or her. I want to help this family out. Yeah. Yeah. And there's so much criticism now about, you know, think think the divisiveness. And I I think that uh, people want to see on television, want to see something really positive happening. And so yes to all that. I think it's, it's good timing. And, uh, and I think um, we, I think America needs it. Great. You have uh, some great guests, guest stars on the show as well. 
uh, Anthony Anderson, who I've worked with, and he's awesome. Derek Huff. Uh, you have Leanne Rimes. We, she yes. helped us out in had Nashville. Had to bring her back. <laughs> yeah, had to bring her back, right? Layla Ali. Um, and Ty Pennington came back. Yeah, which is fantastic. You know, they, I, you can't, you couldn't bring the show back without uh, at least talking to Ty and saying, hey, man, you, you know, we'd love to have you be a part of it, of course, but we don't want to be insulting. I mean, it was Ty's show, you know, I mean, it was, he was the guy. So it was a, it was a little bit awkward for me, you know, and, and yeah. maybe for HDTV too, because, you know, there's a relationship there with the Discovery family. And, um, and I have to say, Ty was like, whatever you guys want, whatever that's, you need, that's I'm Ty. in. And it was no ego. He was like, just tell me where to be and I will do what you need. And that's what he did. He showed up. We, it was tough because you got Jesse, who was the host. Right. And like, what do you, you know, how do you handle that with Ty coming in? And so he just popped in, helped on a bunch of projects, helped out with our, helped our design, uh, design team. And, uh, and then, you know, he was, wasn't completely available the whole time. He's a very busy guy. Yes, he so is. So he came in for a couple of days, did what he could. And then he took off and, and tipped his hat. And I was really, really glad to see Ty again. He showed up in a, uh, I don't think this is on camera, but he showed up in an old uh, VW bug. That's <laughs> or bus, a bus, a yep. VW bus. And it was, he had his hat on and it looks great. Ty's, Ty's spectacular. He's, he's, you know, he will always be the heart and soul of the show. There's no doubt about it. We talk about the special sauce of EMHE and Ty has an amazing ability to, you Give him five minutes of prep before he meets a family or you give him five minutes of prep before the bus moves and he can just remember everything you just told him and he can connect with a family who's yeah. who's <laughs> devastated or extreme going through an emotional like who is amazingly emotional because they just got a brand new house and he's right there with them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's and funny too. And funny. Yes. By the way, you'll find Jesse is is similarly and, and equally talented. He's he's fantastic and very funny as well. So for fans of the of the show previously, what can they expect that they're gonna feel the comfort food this time around? Um, and then for people who've never for maybe people who never watched mm -hmm. the original version, what are they gonna see that they're gonna that they're gonna fall in love with? Yeah, it's uh, well, the heart's still there, which is kind of fun. I mean, I, I you know, it's not just design; it is definitely still a heartfelt show, and we tell the story of the family. We um, we decided to uh, to do a couple of different things, which, um, like the surprise when we surprise the family, so that people don't realize this, but the family really doesn't know a hundred percent that we're coming until indeed the, the, until we actually door knock. Right. So uh, you know, they know about it. We've done some interviews with them, and they sure. know it's possible. We tell them to be ready that morning just in case. But there's a lot of you know a lot of other possibilities. And then so anyway, we decided instead of just having Jesse and the three designers get off the bus, the whole community shows up. So we have a whole nice gathering. Okay. The, the community gathers first, like in a nearby parking lot at the school or church parking lot or whatever, and then. They march from there to the house, and they sort of secretly sneak up on the front lawn. And there are hundreds of people standing on the front lawn of this house, and they all say, "Good morning, Thompson family." And so that's that's a pretty neat way to start the show. Bigger see, the better. Yeah, and you see community. The community is already you know invested in changing this family's life. And then it's pretty much you know it's similar. It's very similar. They come out and and then we send them away. They don't go. They don't go to Disney World anymore because it's not at ABC. So we'd send them and put them to a nice hotel somewhere nearby, and uh, we build the house and we do a little check in with them. And at the end, we bring them home. And they you know they move the bus. So it's all it's all there. It's just uh it's just all updated, and we got new talent. And uh, I think it's um, a worthwhile worthwhile hour for uh, for people to watch. Okay. Well, I'm I'm excited to see it. This is uh, February sixteenth. Yeah. Right. Uh, nine nine p.m. Yep. Nine p.m. HDTV. 
and then it'll be on for 10, uh, 10 weeks. Okay. And there's gonna, they're doing a little, uh, I forget what they call it. They're doing like a, a factoid version too. So like on Wednesdays, they're going to show the show again, and it's going to have a little pop-up uh, factoid sort of behind the scenes information. I can't wait, and uh, I'm really excited. I <clears throat> Just seeing the trailer, it looks great. The old emotion is there, and the designs all look amazing too. So I'm excited. Congratulations, and uh, I look forward to watching. Cool. Thanks for having me, Steve. Okay. Thank you, Brady. Uh, this has been another edition of No Script, No Problem. If you enjoy the show out there, please subscribe and rate the show. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find it at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Steve Berkowitz and Instagram at Steve M. Berkowitz. Please remember to rate it with five stars, of course. You can write a question if you have one so that I can answer it next time. If you're interested in advertising on this show, please contact Believe at Believe.com. Thanks to Mike DeLay at Real Voice LA for use of this studio. And thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Steve Berkowitz for No Script, No Problem. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.